Ah, yes, friends. On a Thursday, as we come in with OGP, one giant podcast, where, of course, I'm your host, Adam Armbrecht, covering the New York football giants and also the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast. If you're into that sort of thing, joined by my other co-host of the OGP podcast and a generational lifelong season ticket holder fan, healthy, wealthy, wise, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we on a Thursday? I'm I'm feeling good. We got Thursday night football back. That's always the best part of the schedule is like you get a little taste and it doesn't even it's kind of like pizza. It's good either way. Like, you know, you know, we'll talk about the matchup in a minute, but we, at least we got a little appetizer of some football on a Thursday before the Giants play Sunday. Sure. Did you um was it rough last week to, you know, like the weeks when the Giants play on a Thursday night, right? Like it's great because you're like, oh, man, it's like we get this early taste. Now, if they had won probably easier to get through the rest of the weekend, but it's a long wait. Like before, you know, you have to go all through Sunday, then through Monday night football. And then you finally start to like ramp back up for next week's game. Yeah. But, but it's nice, Adam, because everyone wants to be watching red zone. I will say though, man, maybe it's, I I don't know why, because it's not like red zone ever went away, but this season more than any other one, um, like red zone is just, God, it's intense. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't get let up from it. And the weird thing I think to me is like, it's great to see the highlights in the big plays, but you don't get any sense of what's really going on in any of those games. You know, like, it's like, it could be 21, 21, but you have no concept that, Oh yeah, there was a turnover. There was a fumble. There were big plays in the running game versus the passing game. Like all of a sudden they're like, and here we are from the red zone touchdown. And you're like, okay, like you get such a weird warp perspective of what's going on around the league. Well, but from a fantasy and a betting perspective where this is all going anyway, you're getting exactly what you want. You're like, did they score the touchdown? Did they make the field goal? Am I covering the spread? Is the over-under at risk? And did my fantasy player score that touchdown? Like, you get it all consolidated and concentrated into like one 10-second snippet. It's like perfect for the way that things are going in terms of, of the NFL. Oh, of course, man. And so we'll get into, as you said, Thursday Night Football a little bit later in the show. Obviously, we want to cover the New York Football Giants, the matchup with the Atlanta Falcons. Before we get into that bite of the apple, where I want you to kind of lead us into that charge, there was just an interesting article uh, out there by, uh, I want to make sure I, I always give credit was where credit is Bill due. Barnwell, is that who it was? That is, God, God, this guy's on top of his game. Barnwell out there talking about just chances to make the playoffs and you know where the Giants currently stand. When you think about when you think about looking at it, and it's basically going through all the zero and two teams around the league, Giants are third on his list of seven total teams. Uh, Six point three percent chance to make the playoffs. The interesting thing that I thought about it was, in terms of some of what what, what Barnwell spoke to was, it's about the defensive side of the ball being able to get pressure on a handful of these teams in the games where you say, yeah, like their offense isn't so good that we can't outscore them or their defense isn't going to be able to shut us down necessarily. Do you look at the Giants as, as again, we talked about this uh, over on YouTube with our, our pro football focus grade breakdown yesterday. Do you look at this and say like, yeah, the defense, as we highlighted, if they don't get their act together, it's hard to look at it and say the positives that maybe we're getting coming out of that Washington game, it's hard to put too much stock in it when you feel like there's this just, albatross size question around what this team can do with consistency. Well, I look at the chances to make the playoffs and and the graphic on the screen says 6.3% for the New York giants to make the playoffs. And, you know, at first I'm like, I don't know if that makes me depressed, if it makes me angry, if it's expected, like what it actually says, but to me, (laughs) but to me, it's basically saying, you know, if the giants started 20 seasons 
in a row at 0 and 2, one of those seasons they would come back and make the playoffs. You know, I kind of actually think the Giants' chances might be slightly higher just just from the idea and standpoint of like they're only one game back of all these teams, right? We're not there's not a 2 and 0 clear leader in the clubhouse where you're sitting there saying, "Oh man, that team is is, you know, world beaters at this point." So for me, I kind of, you know, we're, we're squabbling over whether the Giants have a 10% or a 6.3% chance. But <laughs> right. but uh, you know, it it's frustrating for giant fans to think, you know, you look at this and you say, man, already we're two games in and we only have a 6% chance to win. That's a, that's a little bit um, demoralizing, but with a game against the Falcons coming up, I wonder if that, that percentage could change knowing that there's some other matchups going on around the league, you know, Dallas and, and, and Philly and others that are going to hand at least one NFC team a loss. Well, and that's a big part of it, right? It's like, so as we'll get into this matchup, if the Giants were to win a game here this week and you look around the rest of the division, there's just this world where you go, well, you're still only one game out. So all of a sudden those, because of the division you're in and how those other teams are looking, it certainly takes on a different shape. It's why when you think about out in the AFC uh, West and you talk about teams like the Raiders or the Broncos, like getting those early wins are pretty important because you know that Kansas City is going to be there, right? Like you assume that some of these other big powerhouse teams are going to be in your way. So stacking your wins early is far more crucial in more competitive divisions. Maybe the Giants get a little bit lucky there. And in that regard, when we do turn our attention now to ATL coming to the Meadowlands to take on the New York football giants, where we'll get into our game picks. Obviously you can check those out Sunday morning on YouTube and social media, uh, but the spread set minus three from the giants at home with the over under at 47 and a half. As I say, we'll get into the details there, but we can always give the little tease. What, um, what are you looking at here, Andrew? What piqued your interest as we head into Sunday? Owen two, looking to get this thing back on track. All right, Adam, at a macro level, here we go. The, you know, we have the Giants at home uh, against Atlanta, who has looked terrible. If there's a team that has looked worse, it might, they might be a tie with Atlanta and Jacksonville as an 0 2 team so oh, yeah. far this season. I am very worried at a very high level because it feels like for Giant fans and, and, and Big Blue Nation, it's like, man, we looked terrible against Denver. We looked better and could have gotten a win against Washington. Daniel Jones looked better. The team looked better in general. We got a lot of momentum going into this game. Right. Adam, we also have 10 days to prepare for the Atlanta Falcons and, and Matt Ryan. So we All have an extended it it's Eli Manning's retirement day, right? Like he's, you're going to have all the former players on the field. You mentioned Tom Coughlin. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of wide receivers. Who knows if Michael Strahan shows up, they're going to come out in full force. It's going to be a beautiful Sunday early on in the season. The giants are favored in this game by three points. Yeah. Everything is telling you that this is like the party of all parties at MetLife this year for the giants. Yep. And my question to you is if the giants lose this game, like, what does that mean? Like we've, we've already put so many eggs in this basket. where like, everything is going right. The circumstances set up, right. The scenario is great. The team we're playing against is great. The feel good vibes, the early, like everything is going in our direction. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I, I sent Adam this morning uh, a, a prediction list from all the, the beat writers, <laughs> yeah. and it was like 8-0, 9-0, all said the Giants were going to win and be victorious in this game. It's like, if everybody thinks the Giants are going to win this game, like, doesn't that scare you a little bit? 
what the, the the everyone picking the giants obviously yes it's a scary thing but you know think about it uh like when green bay played detroit this past weekend right where well, everybody took green bay after having a bad performance oh, oh the sky could have been falling everything could be in shambles obviously i compare the uh green bay packers recent track you know record uh basically like for like if i'm not mistaken i'm not sure who made the nfc championship the last couple of years could have been the giants we, we don't even know yeah. for sure really but the thing is um, yes, obviously it'd be a massive problem from a macro level. I, I think if we want to take a, a brief look at that, if the giants lose to the Atlanta Falcons, given how Matt Ryan has looked, given how their defense looks and given the way our roster was constructed and at Owen three, it, it means it's all but over. And, and at that point too, you can't go back to last year and say, remember when we were six and 10, but still had a chance to win the division. Like, I don't think that that's going to feel the same way this year. If you're sitting there saying, we're all we're you know six and ten. If we can win this last game, we could win the division. That that's not going to be good enough this year. An zero and three start with the way they started last year. I think it would. There's ways you can lose the game and still have a lot of positives for like the big picture, but it'd be pretty damning for what you thought you were accomplishing in the offseason and free agency in the draft to not be. <laughs> to not get one right you can be one and two and say yeah there's a lot of versions of that 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 adds up or makes sense or we can wrap our head around but oh and three when you played denver a division opponent in washington and then atlanta that would be it'd be pretty tragic be pretty tragic for for all the hype that we had around coming into the season well that's my big concern adam is that everyone's kind of throwing this game over their shoulder like well surely you have to beat atlanta like surely you're going to beat atlanta at home and everyone has as a foregone conclusion to the point where this has gotten to like if the Giants win the game but win a little bit ugly, they're going to be like, yes, the Giants are one of, still one of the worst teams in the league. So even in victory, unless it's like a resounding victory for the Giants, this feels like like a like a lose-lose game for the Giants. You're expected to beat Atlanta, and if you do it and it's not really that great, everyone's going to say you're terrible and that they they expected you to win. And if the Giants lose, then the, then the, then the house is crumbling. You know? Uh like. Yeah, I might push back on that a little bit. Like, I think I think a win is a win for them. Like, you know what I mean? You're going to be hard-pressed. I mean, what? If you only win 13-10 against a bad defense and the offense looks a little shaky again? Like, maybe. But in that scenario, you'd be pretty bullish about what the defense accomplished. Like, I think, I, I think the Giants get the win here, and that's all that matters. And then you'll look at the next couple of games and saying, like, hey— now we need to start to put this thing all together because you could split hairs about the Washington game. And if you could have won that, maybe they could have been two and one instead of one and two, right? Like the, a win is a win is a win. I'm going to be able to hold true to that. If they lose, I think there's a very, very thin margin where you go, man, they lost, they lost the game. It's almost impossible to think of a scenario because if the defense has a third <laughs> straight bad game, then, then you really think there's problems there. I mean, Daniel Jones could go out and look phenomenal again, and you could get a lot of great things on the offense. Barkley could look really, really good. And then, you, oh, but at best, you'd be saying, so next year, this right, is right. really going to be something. Well, that's that's the thing, Adam, is like, if we go 0 and 3 and we're already talking about next year, like, it, it, like <laughs> think about it. Then you're looking squarely at Gettleman. You're looking at Judge. You're wondering if Daniel Jones is going to be the starting quarterback next year. You're wondering if they're going to get a contract extension for Saquon. You're wondering if they tear this thing down to the studs before the trade deadline. Like, the world could be falling. And what's crazy is, like, if 
they rolled correctly on the Dexter Lawrence offside call last week and the Giants handled business this week, they'd be two and one, potentially tied for the for, for the lead in the NFC East. Instead, we lose that game. We're talking about a, a, a befuddling loss that could happen at Atlanta, and now everyone's on the chopping block. So, like, it shows how razor thin the margins are in the NFL from being like a really good team to a really bad team. You know, you look at you look at the Carolina Panthers. They had they I believe they lost eight games last year where they were within one touchdown. So like there there could have been a whole bunch of games that went the other way. Christian McCaffrey was hurt. Now you look at their defense is giving up the least yards rushing, the least yards passing in the league. They've looked dominant so far as a defense. And Sam Darnold has looked like he's been pretty good. So like you, you can see how razor thin these margins are for teams making the playoffs or being six and ten to ten and six. And and so you know, this is that type of game. You know, I don't want to throw around the hyperbole of like a must win for the Giants because, like we said, they got a six percent chance to, to make the playoffs. A couple times so time. you know, but uh, but but to be honest with you, I mean, this is this is the benchmark. You know, if, well, if you can't ahead. if you can't handle a team like this at home, then what are we doing to begin with? Well, no, hundred percent, right? Like, and I think it's like it's probably the scenario of if you had played Atlanta Week One and lost to them. You might be able to, you know, like you could dismiss it a little bit saying eh, it's week one, it's up and down, it's this and that. But now you've had a couple of games. Now you are 10 days removed from your last, you know, your last uh, opponent. So you feel like everything is set up for you to do. If you can't be well prepared, this is like coming into week one of the season, not to, not for the Giants, because that was a bad, a bad sample size. But most teams say, right, like first game of the year, you've had all the time to prepare for them. 10 days, long time to prepare for your opponent. Let's get this little caveat here before we dive in on, on what we think uh, we're going to watch for in this game, places where the Giants can attack Atlanta, places where they're going to have some difficulties potentially. Remember, on the day when Eli Manning enters the ring of honor, maybe this is a, a little bit of that playoff run kind of vibe. 23 of 32, 277, three touchdowns, no picks, a 24 to 2 thumping of the Atlanta Falcons. That maybe is something. Let that let that marinate around your old noodle over the next couple of days. Uh, Daniel Jones may be doing his best homage to one Eli Manning. When we look at this game, though, um, let's uh, you you tell me where you want to start: offensive side or defensive side of the ball, as far as as where we think the Giants can have success. Yeah, well, let's let's actually start with the defense because I know the sexy thing is to always start with our offense and they look good. But let's let's talk defense a little bit, Adam. All right. Right. So I will kick the, things off and say, I'm sorry. Uh, well, cause, cause I didn't know which, which way you wanted to, to go with this, but, <laughs> but uh, so, so on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you look at the way Matt Ryan has regressed a little bit this year. Like it's been a pretty stark decline now, albeit it's been two games, but wh where do you see the defense? Where's the opportunity for the giants defense to take advantage of what seems to be a slightly struggling Atlanta offense? Yeah, well, you know, this is a funny thing, too, because we talked about the nature of where the NFL is going. And I was I was listening to something I think yesterday afternoon or this morning about um, it was Orlovsky talking about the Giants a little bit and what he's seen and what he likes or doesn't like about the defense. And the one thing that he said was like the NFL is moving more towards that shell defense look, not necessarily bringing pressure with extra bodies, trying to beat people up at the front of attack with your front seven. And so that at least made me feel a little bit better around what I've been seeing schematically uh, from Patrick Graham. If we're talking about success, they have Calvin Ridley. We know that they have a weapon at tight end now and Kyle Pitts through the draft. Like they have weapons on offense, but Matt Ryan is long in the tooth. It feels like he's closer to Ben Roethlisberger than to Tom Brady at this stage of his career, right? So I think the benefit here is going to be 
that the Giants can maybe afford to do a little bit more of that zone bubble work, especially with the linebackers, and try to occupy space and be opportunistic when you can get after after Matt Ryan and when you can make some plays on the ball. I think the first thing, you mentioned Carolina, when you have a, a player like Davis in the backfield there, we saw what Cordell Patterson did the past week, right? Like they had these dynamic weapons. I think the Giants, though, their, their goal should be this. It sounds counterintuitive, man, but how can you have success? Keep Atlanta in front of you. Like make them earn it. Don't give up big chunk plays. And I, and I know that's been the philosophies week one and week two, and we haven't seen wins. But with a team like Atlanta, like they need to be a big strike team. So if you can take that away from them, you're telling them they have to do something different. Against Denver week one, that's what Denver wanted to do. Slowly chunk their way down the field and score. Atlanta, you'd be forcing them to change their way of attacking you. Yeah, so I have a little bit of a slightly different take, Adam, in terms of the path to victory on the defensive side of the ball. And the blueprint has been written by two teams that have played them already this year. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are the two opponents that, that the Falcons have played against. They got pressure on Matt Ryan. Like, that's what they did. Do that you was, think that the Giants are capable of that, though? The, the, the path to victory is, you know, it, it's not a question of whether or not the Giants. The Giants need to start blitzing. They need to get creative. They need to be able to bring the house and have faith that their secondary can cover people like Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. And when you think about it, look. You know, the yards per attempt for, for Matt Ryan is 5.7 yards per attempt. He's getting killed because there's pressure in his face and he's got to get rid of the ball really quickly. And it hasn't been successful. He's made terrible mistakes. Matt Ryan normally is a five, 7.5 yards per attempt kind of guy. It's two full yards under his career average, which actually happens to be what Daniel Jones is averaging this year. So Daniel Jones is throwing the ball vertically this year the way that Matt Ryan has in his career, which is encouraging. So but, then, which is it, though, then? Because Atlanta put up just six points against Philly, but they put up 25 points against Tampa Bay in three quarters. They were shut out in the fourth, but they 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 still had success against Tampa. Like, bringing the pressure, okay, in week one, it looked like it totally worked. In week two... You surrendered up. You surrendered a lot of points. So, do you do you believe that the like are the Giants on the same level as far as getting pressure on Matt Ryan as a Tampa Bay? Well, I mean, Tampa Bay's defense is now yeah. showing that th that they are actually giving up chunk yardage. Like they're sure. they're okay with that because now their offense is dynamic and prolific. And if you look at the Falcons, I believe Matt Ryan gave up two pick sixes in in the fourth quarter. So, mm -hmm. like that was directly related to the pressure that 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 the front seven of the Tampa Bay Bucks was getting. So, I know that that's not our strength. Leonard Williams does lead the team in QB pressures. Aziz Ozolari has gotten to the quarterback a few times. You know, the, another big piece of this, Adam, is that the number two wide receiver, Russell Gage, is not expected to play. He had an ankle injury, tried to give it a go back in the game, re-aggravated it. They're saying he's basically week to week. They haven't officially ruled him out yet. They usually do that on Friday. Mm -hmm. But if you lose a number two wide receiver and you think about, you know, potentially having a Dory Jackson and James Bradbury out there. Can Bradbury sit out on an Island against Calvin Ridley and have a little bit of a one-on-one -on -one matchup? Can, you know, can, can one of our inside linebackers, do we have Jabril Peppers match up against someone like Kyle Pitts to be able to apply pressure from other places? I think you look at Mike Davis is averaging 3.6 yards per carry on the ground. I'm not really worried about their rushing attack right now, as much no. as I am uh, them methodically moving the ball down the field. And so like when we get pressure and force Matt Ryan to make decisions, I think that's going to be our best chance to win, even if that hasn't looked like a strength for us so far this year. That's interesting. I, you know, listen. I mean, by, by hook or by crook, I'll take I'll take the win any way we can get it. But 
I just, you know, it's the, it's the can of worm scenario. Now, now saying getting pressure on Matt Ryan doesn't necessarily mean bringing blitzes. So there, there is a delineation there, right? Like you can just be saying Leonard Williams, like you got to get home on these Dexter Lawrence, you have to step up, right? Like, so in that regard, yes, I think that the giants need to get pressure. I'll just be curious about how do they try to manufacture that? Because all of a sudden when you bring a blitzer and you have Blake Martinez out there, maybe Reggie Ragland is in that unit. Suddenly you're asking two non-coverage linebackers to have to pick somebody up. And and that's where I think there's a little bit of um, certainly a little bit of concern there. Uh, Evan Ingram mentioned tight end. So I just popped in my head that like, we're going to be getting him back. But before we get over to the offensive side of the ball, since we're talking defense, you mentioned him as well. Okay. Gage isn't going to be available potentially for the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Pitts is going to be available. Kyle Pitts plays at tight end as well as other positions. They've lined them up all over. He, to me, you want to talk about like biggest concern defensively, it's Kyle Pitts. Because while you can move him around all over the field, and I'm sure they'll try to do that, lining him up as a tight end and working him over the middle and asking questions of Blake Martinez, asking questions of Tay Crowder, asking questions of Jabril Peppers, that to me is going to be the biggest area of concern. How are you going to control that? Because... You know, I will say, you mentioned saying, can you put Bradbury out on an island against Ridley? I don't even think that that's the, like, if it's me, I'm putting a Dory Jackson on, on, on Ridley because it, it, he's a smaller receiver, a quicker receiver. I'm going to trust a little bit, bit more of that from a Dory Jackson to take on that challenge because then maybe I get to put Bradbury on, on an, on a little bit more of an island of real success or potentially just be able to use him in some versatile ways. I'll be interested to see. Do they, who do they follow around the field potentially? Or, and we've seen this from Bradbury, he goes where the number one goes, right? Or will they kind of just compartmentalize their sides of the field? So, um, there's a piece yeah. of the receiver spot, but then also, of course, talk about uh, Kyle Pitts there. Yeah. So, Kyle Pitts, they, they can line him up anywhere. He is a dynamic pass, pass catcher. There's no doubt about it. And he is worrisome. You know, it's really Ridley and him that, that are, are the weapons and, and the engine here. You know, they're, they're, the Giants are going to throw multiple bodies at Kyle Pitts. Like I'm, I'm confident Darnay Holmes is going to run around with him for a hot minute in, in some different plays. I'm sure McKinney might get him. Peppers might get him. Even Logan Ryan may come up and, and, and have him. There's going to be a, a whole host of people that are going to be up, up against Kyle Pitts because you have to be creative with the type of person that's going to be guarding him. You can't just have speed. You can't just have size because he's too big, fast, and athletic to like – and he'll exploit whether if you have someone smaller on him the whole time, or if you have someone like uh, you know Blake Martinez, he's faster mm-hmm. than Blake Martinez. You can't you can't just hone in on one guy. So that is a pro- that is a problem and something that we're going to have to deal with. Which is why I, you know my mind goes to Bradbury versus Ridley. You know have have some some coverage shade over towards Kyle Pitts and kind of leave them out on an island. But I think I think there's different ways that we could do it. But ultimately, this has to be a get right game for for the defense because. You know, the, like we said, the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan historically has been great, but he has not this year. And defensives have shown you a blueprint on how to beat them. So for the Giants, it's somehow getting pressure, like you said, whether it's from the front three, bringing creative exotic blitzes, they have to get pressure on Matt Ryan, or we're going to see a lot of what happened with Teddy Bridgewater week one. Yeah, and I think that that's like the weird thing, try to wrap your head around Matt Ryan being more of a Teddy Bridgewater than an explosive push the ball downfield, et cetera, which, and that may be the case. So we'll see how it plays out on that side. When we flip it over to the offensive side of the ball, where Daniel Jones is coming off a great game, um, where I know people still want to point to a little bit the concern around Saquon Barkley, but I'm picking up that little bit of coin in my pocket on the nice little burst run that he had for 40 plus. Like, where do you stand on the exploitable matchups? We just had to come out that, uh, a little bit of a hip uh, concern for Kenny Galladay. Uh, you, you know, 
there's a lot of weapons. There's a lot of opportunities. We talked about it on YouTube around Kadarius Tony and expectations. And, you know, how does this thing all shake out? Assuming Evan Ingram can give you a little something to, you know, on Sunday. <laughs> Shouldn't they be able to even behind this wacky return of Jonathan Harrison to the practice squad? They're making moves left, right and center on the offensive line. They should be able to get this done, though, right? They should be able to be dynamic. They should be able to put up close to 30 points, if not more, against this team. Well, so you talked about the points per game. Atlanta Falcons are dead last in the league. They're giving up 40 points a game. 40-4-0. And one of those was against Jalen Hurts, obviously the other one against Tom Brady. But they're giving up some some chunky, chunky plays. Now, when you when you look at how this breaks down, their rush defense is 24th in the league. They're giving up 107 yards a game on the ground. And really, you know, man, over the first two weeks, everyone has been talking about Saquon Barkley, and they've been saying he hasn't looked that good. You know, you, and everyone likes to cherry pick the stats like, oh, take away that one long run he had against Denver, take away the 40 yarder he had against Washington. It's like, oh, yeah, take away the explosive plays from the explosive playmaker. Sure. Like that. Yeah. That, that's a fair, accurate way to do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. They're like, if you take away the 40 yarder, he's only averaging two yards a carry. It's like, well, you don't. Because you can take away all uh, Osborne for Minnesota, right? We'll just take away the 64-yard touchdown in the opening play of the game. Be like, well, yeah, like yeah. just take just take away the best thing he did. Okay, take away the two pick sixes from Matt Ryan against Tampa Bay, and they're they're almost tied in this game. You're like, come on, let's let's be serious here. So honestly, and and I'm hedging my bet a little bit, but I think that the run game for the Giants is going to just beat them into submission. The Atlanta Falcons are giving up 4.9 yards per carry on the ground. So we're chunking them away at five yards a clip. It's going to be the three-headed monster, in my opinion, of Saquon Barkley trying to get downhill and pick up the yards that he can. And it's going to be on more 8-10 to 10 rushes from, from Daniel Jones again with, with these different bootlegs. But I totally see them getting creative with Kenny Galladay. I'm not Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, and getting him out in space. And this being the game where you start to see the reason why they drafted him. So I think it's actually going to be more on the legs of of Barkley, Jones, and Tony than it's going to be through the passing game. But would love to get your your thoughts on that. No, it's interesting. Well, because and those things can set up the other right, and you don't want you don't want to take away what has been a strength coming out of the second week of the season. I think you know what I do agree with you on is that you can have success on the ground. Obviously I do want to see, I think Kadarius Tony in that, in that facet, like that's the, that's how you introduce him, right? Like that seems like a very easy thing. Don't worry about the route trees necessarily, or reading the coverage and being on the same page with Daniel Jones. Let me just get the ball in your hands and you do what you naturally do. So that element of, of it, I like what I'll be curious to see is yes. Washington had no answer for Daniel Jones running the football, right? But just like with any team, you see the film, you try to make an adjustment. So I think using that maybe against Atlanta a, a bit is also going to be important. When you said three-headed monster, it's like I almost want to throw in just a fourth, you know, mini monster. Not I mean, It's the baby of a monster. And that was, we talked about it, Devontae Booker and his very north and south, I get the ball, I fall forward for three or four. The, the, the variations that you can create where you maybe line up and show a lot of those similar get out in space run plays for Daniel Jones from last week. And instead of him rolling, it's a quick draw handoff on the inside. It can go to Barkley, obviously, but if you get Booker just falling forward for those little chunk plays, I think that'll help set the table for everything else. Cause now when you want to get Saquon to the edge, when you want to run Daniel Jones, when you want to flip to Kadarius, Tony, everybody's biting down inside. So 
you know, I mean, I know that's old school mentality. If you got to establish the run first, we know the concerns around the offensive line. I don't think it's going to be like the theme is going to be, you know, pounding away, but I do think a little taste here or there is just going to make sure that you keep Atlanta honest because I like your game script and also you got to hit a couple of those home runs, right? We can't take away the thing we all agree Daniel Jones does really well, the deep touch passes, right? We're only off the hands of Kenny Galladay on a seam route and only off the hands of Darius Slayton in the end zone away from saying the Giants won by 10 last week. So you don't want to cut the legs out from what you do really well just because you see some weaknesses on the defense. Yeah, well, the, the other interesting thing, and this goes a little bit against the, the script that I'm talking about, um, when you look at the touchdowns that Atlanta has given up, they have given up nine touchdowns on defense so far this year. Can, can, guess the breakdown between uh, receiving and rushing touchdowns that they've given up. 5-4. So they have given up one rushing touchdown oh, and eight I passing thought, you know, touchdowns. I thought you were painting a picture for me. No, here. no. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's <laughs> almost it's almost nonsensical. It's like, oh, they're giving up so many yards on the ground, but then when they get into the red zone, are they giving up deep plays, which is why they're giving up 40 points a game is because teams are scoring relatively quick. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be something to look out for is that they're very gettable in, in the secondary because they're giving up these passing touchdowns. It's why... You know, keeping an eye on whether Evan Ingram's going to come back. You've been seeing him run some routes in practice. He could give a nice boost to the to the offense in, in terms of passing. And this this thing you mentioned earlier with Kenny Galladay, like you know, he was out for the majority of last year with a hip flexor strain, like yeah. that. So him having another hip injury and popping up in limited in practice out of seemingly nowhere is concerning for me. And, and might dictate what kind of play calling you end up having if you don't have Kenny Galladay on the, out on the outside. Maybe you, you're, you're thinking about some of these shorter passes and and bringing Evan Ingram into the fold. Oh, of course, yeah, and and that's you know. So I think in that regard, you talk about the the, the number of passing touchdowns that Atlanta surrendered. That's the you know the bang 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 pop, right? Like it, it could be chunk chunk chunk, and then you'll by the end of the day you'll have these handful of really big plays. But the way in which you got to that point was, again, setting up RPO, right? Allowing the opportunity for Daniel Jones to expose these weaknesses. And I think the most important thing out of any of this uh, on either side of the ball is dictate to Atlanta, right? Like, you're at home. Have good crowd noise. It's a big day for Eli Manning. Like, you dictate the terms. Don't allow it. You know, you should be leading in this game. From, from the word go, you should never be trailing. You should be putting Atlanta in a bad spot. So on offense, he has to push it, Matt Ryan, like he did against Tampa. And that's where the talent and the opportunities come there for the secondary. Ball hawk, grab those things, right? We've seen some go off their hands in the first two weeks of the season. So I, I think from that standpoint, too, then this would be against what the Giants have shown us so far. You can't allow Atlanta to come out if they start with the football and to go, eight, nine, 10 plays, six, seven minutes, touchdown. Like you can't do that. You have to get them off the field in a hurry. You have to capitalize on the weakness of their defense and give them the sense of, Hey man, we're going to be playing from behind. That's not going to be a strength for us. And maybe the giants are going to give some, some points on the back end of this game, but make it very clear. We're in control of this. We're dictating tempo and you have to chase us. And that comes down to the quality of the offensive side of the ball and Daniel Jones confirming our suspicions from last week that he can be good, that he can be dynamic, that he can be smart with the football. So we know what has to happen. Oh, yeah. But what what do you think will happen in this game, Adam? Oh, my friend, my friend, the tale, the tale is long and winding with so many avenues to go down. But listen, I, I you know, I've been wrong for the first two weeks of the season. 
Um, I already said, I said it out on Twitter. I believe the Giants will be two and three after five games of the NFL football season. You figure out where you want those wins to come. I believe that one does come at home. Eli Manning getting the jersey retired. Um, I will say 47 and a half being said as the over under. I, 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 I hate to put myself out here like this, but I almost want to take the under and have this be a very well-controlled and dictated game from the Giants, the kind of thing where they win it 27-17, you know, get get me in that kind of range there where you're, again, you're in control. You give up some points, but your defense makes a couple of these plays. Some of those hurries become pressures, become sacks. So I, I just think, if not now, when, man? So <laughs> I'm calling the game script the way I think it needs to go and that the Giants are capable of having it go at home, 0-2, needing the win, 27-17 New York football Giants. I think that's fair. I think we're both thinking the same thing in terms of if not now, when, if you can't beat the Atlanta Falcons at home, when you're favored on Eli Manning bobblehead day, when are you ever going to do it, Adam? Right? Like this is, this is the time. And you know, Daniel Jones and, and to a smaller degree, Jason Garrett showed me that there can be progression in this offense. There can be changes to, to the lineup and changes to the creativity that we're using. Week one looked very flat. Like the Washington game, first quarter, you're like, what team is this? I didn't know that we had this in us. And, you know, the Giants did enough on offense to win against a good Washington football team defense. So for me, this is clear. The 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 Atlanta Falcon defense is not looking too good right, right now. They're also one of their starting cornerbacks, A.J. Terrell, in concussion protocol, may not play. So they may even be more depleted than they are. When you factor in the fact that Russell Gage might not be playing A.J. Terrell, I am also going with the Giants in victory. I am actually leaning towards the over in this because Mm -hmm. I don't know if our defense has fully sorted out the problems that we've seen. Uh, I keep thinking that that we're expecting to see the defense from last year and it hasn't shown up through two weeks yet. We've been giving in the high 20s already. Give me the Giants 31 and the Atlanta Falcons 21. And the ironic thing, Adam, is we both have the Giants winning by 10 points, which just happens to be the number of our man, Eli Manning, who will be going into the ring of honor. You're darn tootin', my friend. I'm asking for, I want everything in one week. I know I shouldn't put that much on the defense after the performance they've had, <laughs> but listen, we're both on the side of Giants taking victory here. Little bonus, quick throw in. We've got the uh, Thursday night football action. Who are you taking there with the Carolina Panthers laying eight to the Houston Texans? Oh, so this is a, a trap game in Survivor, if anyone does Survivor, that I've ever seen. Short week on the road against a quarterback that you have no idea what they can do. Yeah. So, like, I, if I for all my Survivor friends out there, this is a game that I would shy away from slightly because if Carolina wins, they're going to be looking like a team you could use later in the season because they're 3-0 and looking pretty good. This game, though, short week, a lot of, a lot of variables. I'd stay away from it if, I, you know, if it was me. To be honest with you, and this is probably going to look foolish come tomorrow morning, but <laughs> give me the give me the Houston Texans getting eight points at home uh, against Carolina. I think Carolina still has the ability to win this game. I think they probably will win this game, but eight points on a short week when it could be a sloppy game, I'll take that all day. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. Uh, I, I I would take uh, I would take Houston in the points if I'm a betting man. That's where I, that's where I fall on it. We'll see how it plays out later this evening. At the end of the day, my friends, before we get out the door, worth keeping in mind, Andy. Does this ring a bell to you? I don't believe in self pity. It only brings you down. Maybe the queen of broken hearts, but I don't hide behind the crown. 
It it doesn't. Who, who Freeman is that? McIntyre. Come on, man. We're trying to. We're getting juiced up here. She's the queen of country, I assume. I'm not really sure what genre you'd put her into, but that's something you could take to the bank. Let that marinate. Let us all be wearing the crown on Sunday as the New York Football Giants surge for hopefully victory over the Atlanta Falcons. You can come back in. We'll have our uh, breakdowns of some fantasy takes, some little betting tidbits along the way. That'll be out there on social media come Sunday morning. In the meantime, as we always tell you, follow us on social media, One Giant Podcast. Enjoy us on YouTube. Subscribe to that channel. Follow the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled. And as Andy Makowitz and Eli Manning would want, need, and demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.